I'm going to need your help this morning. All right, we're going to try to make this more of a discussion because um, Johnston folks, Shelly heard a noise at 3.30 in the morning and woke me up. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. She went back to sleep and I've been up ever since. So anyhow. Luke chapter number 22. All right, let's, uh, let's pick it up in verse number 24. Luke 22, 24. The Bible says, And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth? Is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth? So are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both unto prison and to death. I'm going to re keep reading a little further. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said, Nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless our Bible study this morning, that you'd speak to our hearts in a very real and personal way. We're thankful for the opportunity to gather, to open up the Bible. We're thankful for the Bible your word, speak to us now, Holy Spirit, as only you can, and guide and direct what we do and what we say. Bless the Sunday school downstairs. Be with each teacher as they bring their lessons. Be with the students. Open their hearts to your word. We pray for the junior church hour to follow and the morning worship service as well. Let it bring honor and glory to you. But thank you for today and each and every day that you give us. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the last several weeks, we've just done this series, this Bible study series on the way that we think and, and our minds. And um, the first lesson that we did, we just talked about our minds being created by the Lord. And... Um, you know, I was doing some, some other reading this week, and I really found this was interesting. I never knew this before, but uh, I was doing some reading about autism. 
And, um, and the gist of the article was the limited amount that we use our brains. And, and, I, and I don't know a lot about autism, so, so I hope I don't make any mistakes here, but I was reading about, do you remember years ago there was a movie called The Rain Man? And it was about, a, it was a true story about an, aut I don't know if the entire, it was based on this person, but the, the true character in the movie, The Rain Man, was autistic, and he was able to read two pages at the same time with either, and retain all of that. So like if you're just looking at this uh, simple handout here, or if you have your Bibles open, can you imagine looking at your Bibles and at the same time being able to read page um, the left side and the right side and to be able to retain all of that? And I thought, that's unbelievable. And I went into some other things about people who are autistic and they have you know, the ability to remember facts and figures and numbers and do mathematical equations. And the point of the article was that um, we just, that our minds really are, we, we just use them in, in, a, in a very limited way. Um, but the first lesson that we did on this series was the whole idea of our minds being created by the Lord. And um, go, go ahead. Yeah, I've actually thought that a lot, that the people, the way that they thought before the fall, and, and then even the generation that lived from the fall until the days of Noah were a much different people than you and I are. You know, and you thought, think about Noah and the responsibility, or not Noah, um, Adam and the responsibility that God gave Adam, you know, to, to name all the animals and so on, and, and the ability that he would have had and um, but because even after the fall, um, you know, it seems as you study, you have the longevity of life and and uh, the whole genetics and all of that. And uh, you know, I don't want to chase the rabbit trail either. But yeah, I thought of that. I thought of that a lot. Uh, that that was a whole different, whole different world, and what what they were able to think of and to do. Uh, I guess we'll know when we get to heaven. Uh, I think we'll be. I think we may be surprised. Um, so, but that was the first lesson in our series. And then I, I took you the second week. We went to the Apostle Paul on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17. And he was challenging their thinking about who God is and where God came from and where. And, and basically he was saying to those men that were there on Mars Hill who were supposed to be some of the great thinkers of the day, that you're, you guys are thinking about this all wrong. And... Um, I mentioned this on Wednesday night in our Bible study. There's a book that I'm reading, and one of the quotes that the author, uh, he, he actually he quoted someone else, I forgot who he quoted, but he said that uh, this quotation was that God gave us his word, the Bible, and the Bible is a book that's meant to deconstruct everything that the unsaved man thinks God is. 
You understand that statement? That people go through life, and I'm sure you've had people that you've talked to, and people, well, I think God is this, and I think God is that. And of course, we don't need to think. We have the Word of God. But that's the point of the Bible, to deconstruct all of our misconceptions about who God is and what God expects and to understand who God is and what God expects. So Paul does that on Mars Hill. He challenges their thinking. And, uh, he, and then you just read through Paul's epistles and many, many times you see the word mind and uh, think on these things and so on and so forth. And then especially when he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, uh, there's a lot of that. He's challenging the young preacher. He says, you be prepared because uh, there's, this, is where, this is where the spiritual battle is really going to take place, the battle for the mind, and as you preach, preach God's word. And then uh, last week we looked in the book of Philippians and uh, then the expectations of, of you and I as uh, believers and the mind of Christ that you and I, that Paul encourages us, uh, of course, to have. We talked about the mind of sacrifice, the mind of service, the mind of uh, submission unto the Lord. So that brings us to this lesson. And then we have one more lesson next week with regards to this. But this lesson is kind of a different direction. And so we see here in the verses that we read that the, the, um, the warning that Jesus gives. Well, look at the handout on, on your, uh, your introduction on the handout. So the devil never stops attacking. He's on a mission that will not end until he, casts, he is cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. But until that happens, He'll continue to be our enemy and to wage war against God's people. So Jesus warned the disciples of this just prior to his arrest and crucifixion. And as we, as we just read just these few verses, it's obvious that despite ministering by the Lord's side for three years, the minds of the disciples are still not completely tuned in. I mean, again, look at verse 24. And there was strife among them which of them should be accounted the greatest? They're debating who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And um, I'm thankful for the long-suffering of the Lord because Jesus probably thought, oh boy, you know, for three years these guys have been with me and they still don't really understand what this is all about. But I think the Lord knew that and um, so on and so forth. So they're not tuned in. They're not thinking the right way. So it's a good warning for you and I to be careful. But he makes this warning here in chapter number 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And that's true not only for Simon and for the other apostles. Uh, it's true, it's been true, and will be true until the Lord returns and um, ushers in his kingdom and we have, um, listen, despite the fact that you and I are new creatures in Christ, the Lord continues, or the Satan continues to attack and, and attacks more and wants to pull us away from serving Jesus. He does it in different ways. So you saw here, just in these couple of verses, Satan's desires. So 
It says here, Satan, Simon, Simon, Satan hath he has a desire, and so you are the desire of Satan. He he can't do anything about your salvation, but he wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your walk with the Lord. He I've often said through the years, anything that Jesus builds up, Satan wants to tear down. That's just the way that Satan works, and so whether it's you personally or whether it's your family, uh, whether it's uh, your marriage, these are all the institutions of God. Whether it's a local churches, he just wants to tear them down, tear them down, tear them down. And um, since the fall in the Garden of Eden, that's what's been happening. And so he's seductive. He does it through seductive, uh, seductive ways. He draws people in. You know, remember in the Garden of Eden, yay, he said, hath God really said, you know, you should not eat of the fruit of the tree? Hath God really said that? Or he said, hath God really said you shouldn't touch it? And, you know, and he takes God's word and he twists it around and, and, and it means he can. He wants, to, he wants to seduce you and to destroy you. That's the nature, really, of sin. And he's productive at it. He's good at it. And he's been doing it again since the fall. In fact, right here in our text, we didn't read these verses, but go over to verse 54. It says, They took him and led him and brought him unto the high priest's house. That's Jesus. And Peter followed afar off. So there's Peter. He's, he's already separated Peter. Peter's, Peter's not... He, he's following the Lord, but he's following the Lord afar off. And um, that's how Satan works. He kind of separates people, separates them from the Lord. And it said there, and when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, this man also was with him. And he denied him. Well, I don't know him. I don't know him. And uh, right here, you just see Satan he, uh, just working over Peter. And, um, and then, of course, the Bible goes on to say, and after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also after them. And Peter said, Man, I'm not. And about the space of one hour, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with them. He's a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. The Lord turned, looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Three years they had walked with the Lord, and, and within a matter of just a short time, Satan seduced Peter into to following afar off and to denying the Lord. So he works. Jesus warned him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And it's true for Peter, it's true for, for you and me as well. And so we would be mindful of that. On your handout, I have Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So when we think about our heart, you know, we think about that, that's what we think, how we feel about things, and, and it's so important that you and I stay tuned into the things of God because Satan is going to attack. And so I just have some things listed here on the back of your handout, and, um, and, and there's some others actually. As I was up early this morning, kind of going over this, I have a few others that are not on here. 
But let's just talk about these and um, think about these this morning. So the toolbox of Satan. Uh, if you're my age, uh, you remember there was a cartoon called Felix the Cat. And, uh, and uh, Felix the Cat was a classic. And Felix had a toolbox, right? And uh, out of that toolbox, he could just about pull anything. So, but Satan's got a toolbox, and he likes to pull things out because he wants... Listen, if you're saved here this morning, if you've trusted in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you're saved, you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. Amen? But that doesn't mean that you're not going to be under attack. And uh, before we just get into these, the other day, it was Tuesday, I got some really bad news. And uh, really, the news and what it was about it's not life-threatening uh, in any way. It was, it's really not as... It's, when I say I got really bad news, I'm making it sound really in, in the big scope of things more, more serious than it should have been, but it was still bad news to me. I was very depressed. And literally, for 24 hours, just like waves of depression. You know, you ever been at the beach? You know, or when you're at the beach, you watch the waves come in. It was like wave after wave after wave. And I just, I just. Well, that's right. And that's what I did, Jim. I just got along with the Lord and uh, my wife knew that I was struggling with it. And uh, she tried to be an encouragement. And um, I just kind of walked off up to my pond area for a while and prayed and had my Bible and I just read and I prayed, but the waves just kept coming and coming and coming and you try to talk to yourself and say, listen, this is not as bad as it seems and da da da, da. And I just began to pray and plead and call out to the Lord and um, just brought it before Him. It's all you can do. By the way, it's not really on the list, but it's one of the tools that Satan uses, Right? I mean, that's one of the things he pulls out. So, I just, it's all I could do, you know. And uh, I'm driving the bus on Wednesday, and I get a call. And the entire thing was reversed. Like, I couldn't believe it. And I should have had more faith, I suppose. But it just, like, within 24 hours, I get this call. I had, I had to stop. I, I just was picking some kids up, so I had to pull the bus over because I don't want to be talking on the phone while I'm driving the bus. So I don't want you to think I was talking on the phone while I was driving the bus. But I pulled the bus over, and the person got on the other end of the phone and, and talked to me for five or six, seven minutes. And uh, all I could think was the Lord heard my cry, and, and he answered my prayer and, and uh, just kind of lifted the whole depression. So... But Satan attacks that way. He attacks our thinking, attacks our mind. And uh, you know, next week the final lesson is it probably would have been a better illustration for next week, but I just wanted to share it with you as a way of encouragement because next week is more like, what do we do? You know, when like these waves of discouragement come. But today, let's just talk of these several things here. So we know that one of the tools Satan uses is accusation. So look on your handout, Revelation 12.10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God 
and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. You just read through the New Testament. Just you, know, you saw the enemy just attack Jesus for who he was and what he was doing. You saw Paul was attacked. His apostleship was attacked. And the Jews attacked him. And, and we see that. But I guess I'm just going to ask you, just think about this for a minute. How does Satan use accusation to attack you? And you know, either your faith or what you're going through. What does he do that? What does he do? Maybe, maybe you know, can you think of things like temptation? Yeah, well, actually, what you've done is given us two. One is temptation, because Satan tempts us. Okay, that's a tool of Satan, right? He tempts us to sin. And uh, what is the verse, Second uh, uh, Corinthians? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, whom God will with the temptation make a way for you to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. For some reason, I think I might have left out a line in that verse there. Uh, but I got pretty close. But you know what? When you're going through temptation, if you know the verse, even if it's pretty close, uh, I, I, I told you this before. I had a guy in the church years ago. If I quoted a verse like that and I missed a word, well, he wanted to have a meeting with me and tell me how I was changing the word of God and, and like, okay. And uh, he was an accuser of the brother. Now, you know, if you did that deliberately, and if you were doing that, but you know, sometimes you have verses that you've memorized, and or you think you have them all memorized, and then you, well, when you think about them, that's that's the tool, kind of getting into next week's lesson. But temptation and accusation. So he accuses us. What does he accuse? What else? I mean, think about your life and. And how could you? How could Satan use accusation? Debbie, you had your hand up. Go ahead. He brings up things from your past. I couldn't hear the last part of it. That God already said He would forget or forgive and forget. Behind His back, He said He'd throw them behind His back. Yeah, it brings up our past. You know, especially if you were, became a Christian later on in life, and you know, if you and if you lived like a riotous type of life, and you did things that you know now are so wrong that Satan likes to bring them up and to deal with those things. So that's another way, another form of accusation. Yes. Doubts in our mind. He doubt. Yeah, that's why he uses accusation. You know. Yeah, that would probably be more like temptation, but I think I know what you're saying. 
Yeah. Different things that we come in. That's why we're to guard our eyes and, and so on and so forth. Uh, Dennis. <laughs> That Satan wants us to be controlled. Yeah. opportunity it's recalled to my mind often you know and I feel like you know you can uh, self-loathing can set in or, or you know just feel like oh you know, you're a failure you know, you, how do you why do you keep missing that opportunity why do you keep making the same poor decision and I'm not saying necessarily falling into temptation or sin but just you know a, a bad decision and Maybe not huge, big bad decisions, but they snowball and right. they keep coming to mind, and, and, and you just begin to feel like a failure, and that's when depressions and waves of depressions. Right. Yeah, like this news that I got, I thought, did I not uh, pray about this enough? And maybe I didn't. And maybe. I just need to confess that to the Lord. Again, I kind of get into next week's lesson. Maybe I should have combined these two lessons. Uh, maybe I should have. I just need to tell the Lord. All right, you're right, Lord. I didn't. I didn't pray about that decision enough. I made a mistake. But I need to move forward from here. Yes. Yeah, and then, then we always we always learn it seems more from our failures than we do from our successes. So we got a number of hands going up here. So first you, and then you, and then you. All right, go ahead. Debilitate us in shame and guilt. It can make us just praise 
to choose. I didn't hear the last word. To make us freeze. Freeze. Or hide. Or right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It's similar to what Seth had said. It's almost like, you know, he brought up the point about, you know, when you make a, a wrong choice, even though it may not be a sin, Satan kind of comes at us like, oh, if there was really a God, that, that wouldn't have happened. If you really had your best interest, that wouldn't have happened. So is there a God? It's almost just like you just can feed you that. Like if you if you really were following God, that wouldn't happen. And sometimes it could be the small thing. Charlie said it can be just a small thing. And a small thing, just all of a sudden, it's like it snowballs, and you just can't get it out of your mind, and then it becomes a big thing. So, um, yeah. So just from just this casual conversation we're having, it seems as if Satan is pretty good at accusing people of things, isn't he? Uh, because we all deal with all of that. Huh? Too good. Yeah, well. you know, I'm going to talk about I really felt that in some ways uh, saying that somewhat of God's design because uh, what would have tempted Adam to, and Eve to uh, stray Yeah, that's a deep subject. That's a whole nother lesson for a whole nother time. But I know what you're saying there. All right, let's. All right, so good. So we're not going to get uh, through this lesson today. We only got a couple of minutes left, but we can go on to the second one, and um, and then I'll just combine this next week with the other lesson. But the second. So we just talked about uh, accusation, right? and there's you know accusation, opposition, imitation, deception. Uh, we talked a little bit about, this isn't even on there, depression. I got another one I wrote down this morning, obsession. We obsess sometimes over things. Satan uses that. Uh, intimidation. And uh, yeah, you said they all end with, uh, you know, T-I-O. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I think that just helps me to remember things. So anyhow, the next one is opposition. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be and isn't it interesting that Peter is used of the Lord to write this, where in Luke's Gospel, Jesus warns Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And I'm sure as Peter is penning these words, he's thinking back to when he denied the Lord, and now he's moving forward with his, these words, teaching those he comes into contact with, and then generation after generation, us. 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Almost like you could hear the emphasis when Peter writes this, because he's thinking, he did it with me. He's gonna, if he did it with me, he's going to do it with you too. So what are some ways, as we just finish up, we've got a couple of minutes to go, some ways that we face opposition that are a little bit different from accusation? Yeah. 
or the lurking of the lion, you know, or the, if you've ever seen those, um, like National Geographic or nature shows, you see the, like the lion is crouched down and then boom. Good. What else? Opposition. What are some ways that we face, or some opposition that we face? Go ahead. I just, I think of an example from uh, the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis where, where the devil or, or one of the demons is tempting, the, the young man is, is starting to think about theological deep things or, or doctrine or about God and he's, and he's working them out, but then the devil puts a little hunger in his way or just a little, just a little distraction, a little bit of, oh, oh I need to get lunch just, just a little distraction away from something that is drawing him or, or a path that he's following to get closer to, to God. The, the adversary is, so in that, play, that, in that instance, he's more like a snake than a lion. I would say he's like a sly, right? Just, a, just some kind of small distraction that you don't, maybe not a full frontal attack where you would know to defend yourself, but just a little sure. subtlety to, 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 draw you, to turn you aside. Absolutely. What about culturally? What opposition as believers does Satan use culturally to attack our faith? It's not. Okay, I, well, then there should be a few examples if it's ever. Education. Education. Education is certainly uh, one. Media, the media. Yeah. What else? Opposition. Culturally speaking. Well, this is cultural and scientific. They debunked the Big Bang Theory this previous week. And now they're saying that can't fit with our models anymore. So the scientists and the atheists don't have a creation narrative anymore. There's this existing universe, and now this new telescope has proved to them that their Big Bang Theory couldn't have happened the way they said it happened. So that's something also that can put doubt into our minds evolutionary, uh, biological, you know, survival of the fittest type thing that goes all the way back to the Big Bang of the universe. Well, now they have to go back to square one with their theories. Right. That, but that's a cultural thing where they have stood over and say, oh, you poor Christians, you're using your Bible like a cosmic calendar and it's just wrong by billions of years. Yeah. So, quote unquote, scientists, Oppose the truth. What else? These are good. Opposition. Something in our culture. That it's got to be in our culture. Entertainment. It's not in our culture, huh? Go ahead. I don't want to oppose you. <laughs> Yeah, that's a science thing. Yeah. I, yes. The church, so. Yeah, I think everybody has this idea of 
church. Yeah, I've said before, we'll finish with this because we're out of time, that the greatest tool that Satan pulls out of his toolbox is religion. I think religion keeps more religion will keep more people from spending eternity with the Lord than, than anything else. And um, false religion. That will that will do because think of that, think of it, you know, or even in our area where we live in such a heavily Catholic area, and one of the things that I've always run into is basically, maybe they don't say it in these exact words, but well, that's true. How, how could mom and dad be so wrong then? If, you know, this is the way they raised us. So how could grandma and grandpa be wrong? You know, they did all this and they were nice people. And that's always the challenge, you know, when you're trying to bring the truth of God's word to people, they just think because it's people are so works oriented and the whole you know, the, the very simple example, most people, you tell them, you know, most people think you got the good, it's the giant scale, the good and the bad, and hopefully when they stand before God, the good will outweigh the bad, and God will say, okay, you can come into heaven. And when you're thinking of your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, you think, oh, they're such good people. How could they have been so theologically wrong? It just couldn't be. And... Um, That could be true today. You know, churches can drift from the truth of God's word, uh, but it's it's happened historically from the early days of the church. Um, well, we're out of time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. What we do, what we say. Thank you again, as always, for who you are and your goodness, mercy, and grace. In Jesus' name, Amen.